All right. Well, good morning again, everybody. Would you do me a favor and put your hands together for two incredible groups of people today, those that are first-time guests and those that are taking in the sermon live online today. I welcome you. Really, really want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, hey, I'm going to waste no time. I'm excited about the joke of the day, somebody. So turn to your neighbor and say it's about to get real. About to get real. All right, all right. Listen, if you don't know this, courtesy laughs are always accepted at any given time in the middle of a message, at the joke portion, whenever. All right, here's the joke of the day. This is a good one. Prepare yourselves. An 86-year-old man is out fishing. He was sitting in his boat when he heard a voice say, pick me up. He looked around and didn't see anyone. He thought he was dreaming until he heard the voice again. Pick me up. The old man looked in the water, and there, floating on a lily pad, was a frog. The man said, you talking to me? The frog replied, yes, I'm talking to you. Pick me up, then kiss me, and I'll turn to the most beautiful woman you have ever seen. I'll make sure that all your friends are envious and jealous because you will have me as your bride. The man looked at the frog for a minute in confusion, reached over, picked it up carefully, and placed it in his front pocket. The frog screamed, what? Are you nuts? Didn't you hear what I said? I said, kiss me, and I'll be your beautiful bride. He opened his pocket, looked at the frog, and said, nah, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> yes, sir. Come on. Come on, y'all. If it is your first time, they're not always that good, but, but that, one, that one's good. All right, listen, I... I, 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 I Got a good word for you. Let me say that. I got a good word, I believe, for you um, today. We're going to be looking uh, at Genesis 37 in a few moments, all right? In a few moments. But I want to invite us to say corporately three words, and, and here are these three words. It's not fair. Can we say that on three? This is a, it's a good day, y'all. Three, two, one. Let's say it together. It's not fair. All right. How many of you, no show of hands, just in your heart, raise that hand. You ever said that out loud? Maybe this morning. <laughs> in, uh, in our home, we have the awesome honor of raising two incredible daughters of God. They're our daughters, but we know we're stewarding them. But they caught on pretty quick with a phrase, it's not fair. And um, I'm not going to do what I do to them when they say that in our home. I'm going to give you a word of the Lord this morning, somebody. Amen. <laughs> but my pra pragmatic side looks at them in the eye and say, Lily, how on earth did you ever think life was fair? Like, who taught you that? They teaching that at school. I need to talk to some of your teachers. Because <laughs> it's not fair is a pretty popular phrase when, when our daughters are longing for dessert. And uh, we are trying to navigate their sugar levels and, and how many each was blessed within the day. Sometimes we'll pull back on one and another will get a little bit more. And the other inevitably yells, it's not fair. They're trying to, they're trying to negotiate with me. Or how about this? You ever um, experienced something in life, obviously not as simple and uh, insignificant as sugar levels. But sometimes there are these moments in life where something happened, and let's just be honest, if we could be transparent, throw a lesson, nothing to teach here for a moment, just to incorporate that phrase in our life, 
It's a familiar tune for us. When things don't go according to plan, what an unwanted experience, significant or seemingly insignificant, we almost always blurt out, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's like an inner cry for justice, an inner cry against mistreatment, brokenness, um, something that came in unexpectedly. We have that, an unexpected event. It, it has a way of drawing out a response in our life. And I want to say, um, that's okay. That's okay. It's not fair is perfectly okay to say. It's perfectly okay to have those feelings, to know that experience firsthand. It's a, it's a, it's a way of alleviating the pain, perhaps, that we feel. I was thinking about it's not fair, and I was just running through my mind. Maybe some of these experiences will resonate with you, but a boss denies the promotion. You ever been overlooked for a promotion? You don't have to raise your hand. You can just let out a collective <laughs> groan. Mm. Or how about this? A business contract ends. A friend does us wrong. A family member breaks our trust. A professor hurts our grades. We've been diligent. We've been focused. And something about them looks unfavorably over us. Hurts our grades. We get overlooked for a position. Maybe we start a business. We take that uh, stretch of faith. We take out that loan. Everything gets approved. All the uh, dots get um, dotted. All the T's get crossed. And everything's going well. And then all of a sudden, our business partner does us wrong. Steals it out from beneath us. Something like that. We, we have a way of experiencing in the story, the journey of life. And it's not fair moment. It's part of our reality. It's part of our experience. This, this it's not fair. I have over our life story and life experience, we've encountered un, unexpected interactions with people even. In church sometimes. Sometimes the people closest to us in our life, our, our community, our family, our workplace, our friendships, whatever it is, part of life's perspective when we have an unexpected experience or event is to label it, it's not fair. I have taken that phrase and let it be planted deep into my soul. And without anybody else's encouragement, I have watered that phrase that phrase and then I poured miracle grow on that phrase and I let that weed grow to advanced stages and it's not fair can serve us well until it doesn't and it's not fair is something we can all resonate with and so I don't want to make a light of that statement you may have come in this morning caring and it's not fair I'll be a little transparent with you, or a lot of transparent with you. Eight years ago or so, when we planted Hillside, I distinctly remember my favorite phrase. I wouldn't tell anybody, but I said, it's not fair. It's not fair. You called us to plant a church, and uh, it's just not fair. How many of you know when things don't turn out how you expected them to turn out? You can get that game going pretty good. And I remember being overwhelmed with anxiety, um, 
frustration, anger, a flood of tears. And I remember just feeling so powerless. Lord, you called us here. You've, you've made promises. You've guaranteed. And I was listening to worship on end. I went even as far as to change my ringtone to... Uh, you remember that song, This Is My Fight Song? Take Back My Life Song? I'm just telling you, I got, I'll be transparent with you. I had that. Then I had, I'll just be honest, y'all don't judge. I had ludicrous. All I do is win, win, win. Come on, man. Desperate times call for desperate measures. They're still on my phone. I will not uh, play them for you. But I was in a rough spot. It was, it was hard. I remember talking with my pastor and Kelly was nothing but encouragement and prayer. And man, my family and, and the people in the church at the time, they were just excited and loved it. But somehow in my mind, I had a target and it wasn't being met. And there was this gap. And I was filling that gap with it's not fair. And I remember, man, it had been, been a rough time. I, I was, come on, you know when you're intentionally trying to lose weight and then you know when you're losing weight because of your mindset, the circumstances? I was losing weight. I did not know I wanted to lose. And I remember flying down to Louisiana. There was a group of us pastors gathering. and My, my pastor was there. and He was just so encouraging. It was such an uplifting time. Amazing church. Amazing hosts. We were just having the best experience. I was encountering God and then leaving discouraged. Just encountering God and then still leaving discouraged because of that gap. And I was filling that gap with it's not fair. And I remember the last night I went home. I didn't go home. I went to the bougie hotel we were staying in. And I remember lying down, falling asleep, tossing and turning for a little bit. Just, it's not fair, man. This is, this is hard. This, this wasn't what I planned on. This isn't easy. This is difficult. God, I, I, I know I'm not abandoned, but I sure feel abandoned. And not only all that anxiety, difficulty, and stress just related to some targets, but there were also some financial needs that were in the midst. I'll say that, man. When you plan a church, trust me, you're just trying to survive. You really are. It's a lot like starting a small business. You know, if you've started one, it's like, man, you're just, you're just trying to survive. Week to week, month to month. And I learned something that night. It's not fair, but I am overshadowed by Almighty God. I woke up to a text from my pastor. I hadn't even let on of any needs that we had. He just said, Paul, for the next year, Hillside will receive $3,000 a month from us. We believe in you. We believe God has called you. And we're going to take care of your rent and then some. You welcome and I learned something in that moment. It's not fair, but I'm overshadowed by Almighty God. And I came today on a message to encourage some of you that you've been letting that thought linger, but you've been missing the second half of that equation. I'm giving you full-on permission to declare it's not fair in any circumstance you're journeying through. But I'm also giving you full-on permission to understand, I am overshadowed by Almighty God. 
And what do I mean by this word overshadowed? I'm glad you asked. Psalm 91.1, it says this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. God is our dwelling place. When life is not fair, He remains our dwelling place. We have a Heavenly Father who is faithful, good, true, and with us. When it's not fair, we get disorientated. And we begin to lean in to a mindset, a mental model, a posture of the heart that if we're not careful declares, I've been overlooked. And I want to declare to you today, you're not overlooked. You're overshadowed in Jesus' name. That any need you're facing, any pain you're walking through, every rejection, every brokenness, the trauma you bring to the table of life, hear me loud and clear. God loves you and you're overshadowed by a healing hand of a heavenly father who made you on purpose and for a purpose. You may feel overlooked. You may feel overwhelmed. But I declare over your life right now, you're overshadowed. By the one and only King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to encourage you some more, so get ready. Genesis 37, it leads me to the most unfair story in the Bible. And there's a ton of them, y'all. There's a ton. You, you can't flip a page without being like, well, that's not fair. Well, that's not fair. Well, that's not fair. I'm calling you, Abraham and Sarah. Well, it's going to take a while. Well, that's not fair. Then they have the son. I need you to sacrifice. Well, that's not fair. And I'm not, we're not even going with Abraham and Sarah, but you take your pick. We're going with Joseph for a moment. Joseph for a moment. Joseph's journey. I want you to see this. It's not fair line. His brothers, his own family, his older brothers, caveat, but his own family has looked unfavorably upon him. And he shared some dreams that God had given him. Probably a bad idea, but he shared them nonetheless. And the brothers were jealous. They were angry. They were frustrated. And they began to torment Joseph to the point where they were getting rid of him. And so at one point, they throw him into a pit. They throw him into the bottom of a well. But then they realize, man, we don't need to kill him. Let's sell him. So they sell him to Midianites, and he's shipped off to Egypt. Follow this along. Genesis 37 verse 28. When the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Isn't that interesting? Ishmaelites. You know the story of Israel? There was a child of promise speaking of Abraham and Sarah. Speaking of promise, you know their son Isaac, and then you know Ishmael. He's been betrayed from a camp of promise into a camp of slavery. It's not fair. It is, we have to say this without any caveats, it's not fair. It's not fair. You look back at your family of origin, I'm joining you for coffee, we're talking it out, I'm even saying out of my mouth, man, it's just not fair but we have to take a breath and realize that's only half of the conversation the experiences you've had 
Those dark moments where you've wanted to end it all. Where does that come from? It's tethered to an understanding. It's just not fair. What's plaguing our country and many places in the world today is this, it's not fair. And quite frankly, it's not fair because it was never God's design for humanity to experience life apart from him. So God empathizes. He sees it. He knows it. Our Bible is filled with these stories, filled with this journey. And Joseph's life, it's not fair, but here it is. I'm overshadowed. Because Joseph's journey, very simply, is he's betrayed by his brothers. And then he's betrayed into Potiphar's house. And then he's betrayed into prison. And then in prison, he's totally forgotten. But it's all part of God's overshadowing love, kindness, promise that it leads him to the palace. And so I want to just share a few reminders with us this morning. Remember, you are overshadowed. And here's, here it is in three words, this first thought. God's in it. God's in it. Some of you, that's all you needed to hear. There's too much confusion. There's too much emotion. There's too much difficulty. But I want to come alongside you and encourage you. God's in it. I think of one story of a, 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 a gentleman who attends our church. And this past fall, he was so full of excitement and zeal and vision. He's building a new home where his parents were going to be as well. Wonderful, wonderful, exciting time. And it seemed to be obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. But then came breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. But in the midst of the planning and preparation is as the home is being built. He lost his wife of any illness. It's not fair. It's not fair. We've curated and crafted a portion of this home for her. It's not fair. God meets him in that space. They continue moving forward. And then on the heels of Christmas, Christmas is coming up. His father has a stroke. He has rushed into hospital. It's not fair. It's not fair. Then I get a text about a week after Christmas. I've been having some needs, some frustrations, trying to get things finished and things paid for and different things. But how many of you know, no matter how much you strategize, you sometimes still find yourself in need. Then he texts me and says, Pastor Paul, I wanted to let you know, I randomly received a check for $10,000 from student loan forgiveness. I was like, bro, I don't even know if I believe in this whole student loan, but I know something. I believe in $10,000, baby. And I don't care how it finds you, God's going to get it to you. God's in it. God's in it. In the difficulty, in the trial, in the frustration, in the hangups, in the hiccups, in the needs and in the wilderness. Listen, God's in it. You're not overlooked. You're overshadowed by the hand of Almighty God. And every promise he's spoken will be tested and tried in the fires of life. But I'm here today to encourage you. God's in it. God's in it. God is in it. 
Genesis 39, verse 2, on the heels of being betrayed, uh, uh, the line before, he sold, he sold. In an auction, you can almost picture, no, 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 sold. To not even the highest bidder. We just want him off our hands. Whoop. And he sold. Genesis 39, verse 2, some of the most astounding words in Scripture. Five of them. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. He's removed from the place of promise, sold into the Ishmaelites. Don't miss the Hebrew symbolism and the nature of that. Going from freedom to slavery, sold into slavery, and then he's moved into the home of Potiphar. And now you may be inclined, like me at times, to say, no. <laughs> Moses, I think you missed it when you're writing down the Genesis origin story, because God doesn't get in that. God gets in the palace. God doesn't go into the pit. He hangs out in the palace. Everybody knows where God is. He's in the palace. And Moses is like, Paul, you've got a lot to learn about the hand and the favor of God. God goes with him. He blesses him. He strengthens him. He reminds us, I am in it. He goes from the story of Potiphar and Potiphar's wife more than uh, Potiphar himself. Potiphar's wife took to Joseph. She found there was something about a six-pack and a tricep-bicep combo that she could not keep her hands away from. And she kept setting him up like, hey, my hubby's out. Let's spend some time together. And Joseph's like, how could I do that to my master? No, he remained pure, man of character, man of dignity. He's not only towing the line, he's setting up the line of godliness, the standard, the blessing would come upon Potiphar's house. But in an instant, it would be broken because she becomes so frustrated that she stages a rape in the home. And so in one moment, as she's near Joseph, she pulls his garment off. What is it with Joseph and his garments? That's another story another time. <laughs> Coat of many colors, garment, all right, two for two, Joseph. It's just not fair. She's holding it in his hands. The guards come in, and they're going to believe her story, and he's betrayed. Once again, it's not fair, but God's in it. Genesis 39, 20 through 21, we've jumped ahead now in the story. While Joseph was there in the prison, so he's now moved from Potiphar's home into the prison, Verse 21 says, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God's in it. Everybody say that with me. Three, two, one. God's in it. God's in it. You feel you've been cheated. You feel you've been mistreated. You feel you've been overlooked. You feel you've been overwhelmed. Can I just say, welcome. Been there. We'll be there again. But I'm going to pull this podcast up and remind myself, God's in it. God's in it. God's in it. God's in it. The same is true over your life. 
One of my initial scriptures, it's not going to come up, but it's Luke chapter 1, verse 35, where an angel of the Lord visits a woman that is betrothed to be married. Considering some awkward timing, God comes in and says, listen, I know that you're pure and you're a virgin, but listen, I have a vision and uh, I need a servant of the Lord. She says, be it unto me, whatever your plan may be. Her name happened to be Mary, the mother of our Savior, Jesus. And in Luke chapter 1, 35, the angel declares over her, the shadow of the Most High, or excuse me, the favor of the Most High will overshadow you. Maybe you need to receive that in your spirit. It's not fair. God, this isn't fair. I'm betrothed to Joseph. Do you know the implications, the societal stigmas that are going to follow me around all the while I'm pregnant with your Savior? It's not fair. I didn't see this map. I didn't see this being laid out. Quite frankly, God, this is ridiculous. It's not fair. The favor of the Lord will overshadow you. Can I declare that over your life? The favor of the Lord will overshadow you. God's goodness will hold you. He'll lead you through. He's in it. Remember, you are overshadowed, and here's the thought. God sees it. God's in it. God sees it. Sometimes when we're overwhelmed, when we're discouraged, when we're distracted, we feel like, man, not even God sees me. Come on, a quick show of hands for all the transparent, honest, vulnerable people here. You ever felt overlooked and not seen by God? God sees it. God sees it. Why me, God? God sees it. Joseph is in a difficult situation now because he gets promoted. Everybody loves promoting Joseph when the Lord's with him. It brings a blessing. It brings a blessing into Potiphar's house. brings a blessing into the prison. It wasn't long that the prison guard was like, here you go. Just radio me when you need me. I'm going to go home and watch the chiefs. He just let him take care of everything in the whole prison. And then two political positions. It doesn't come across like that because we may not understand the culture, but the baker and the cupbearer, two actually highly political positions in um, the government and in uh, Pharaoh's court. The cupbearer and the baker, they come in, and each of them has two separate dreams. Joseph has a gift to interpret dreams. If you've read his story, familiar with that, you can find out more on your own time with that. But God comes to Joseph and assists him in interpreting dreams. Well, he tells both of them, hey, when you go out and you're back in Pharaoh's court, remember me. And then we get this verse. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. Okay, tell me how you really feel. He forgot him. It's not fair. It's not fair. Joseph, I could write your story. It's just not fair. It's not fair. And you may feel forgotten by man, but you're remembered by God. God sees you. God sees you. God knows. God knows the, the, the intimate Needs that you hold, that you carry, that maybe you haven't shared with anybody else in your life. And God sees it. God knows it. He sees the weight you carry, the weight of responsibility you carry. And you may feel unseen, overlooked. I'm on assignment today to remind you. He sees it. God sees it. 
Ain't nobody know what I was carrying into that bougie hotel, Louisiana, after that pastor's gathering. As I'm tossing and turning on the pillow, God sees it. God sees it. He has a way of reminding us that he sees us, that he knows us, that he cares for us. And he does the same for Joseph. The end of Joseph's story is incredible. One morning he wakes up and Pharaoh has called upon him because, oh, suddenly the cupbearer remembered Joseph. When Pharaoh is struggling with some dreams and his magicians and his court can't interpret them, the cupbearer has an epiphany. Oh, yeah, there's a guy I forgot about, but suddenly he remembered. His name's Joseph. Well, where can I find him? Oh, he's in the prison. And so Pharaoh summons him. And Joseph gives the interpretation. He says, listen, there's going to be seven years of harvest. Then there's going to be seven years of famine. And all happens and Pharaoh is just astounded. That's exactly, that's exactly, that's exactly right. I see that. And Joseph goes from being forgotten, being betrayed, left in prison. I like to say this. <laughs> his head was in a pillow in prison. And then that evening, his head was in a pillow in the palace as the prime minister for Pharaoh. Things can change all of a sudden. That's what faith can do. That's what faith can do. When we take our, yes, I'm saved by God, to God, I trust you. I'm not just a slave. I'm not just in the backstory, but God, you've called me a son. You've called me a daughter, and I'm going to test some of that out by faith, Lord. You've laid these promises. You've given a vision. You've given a desire. Lord, I'm going to trust you, but Father, I'm going to step out by faith. That's what faith can do. It's how the kingdom of God operates and moves forward. By faith, I'm going to share the gospel with this coworker. By faith, I know my boss is an atheist, but I'm going to let him know I'm praying for him or her. By faith, I'm going to stretch out and bring that whatever to my neighbor. I'm going to, I, I, it's going to cost me something, but I'm going to do it. By faith, I'm going to call up that family member. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And here's what begins to happen. We begin to step in to all that the Lord has crafted and created us for. It's time. It's time. It's time. To not just live, it's not fair. It's time to bring in the second half of the equation. It's not fair, but I am overshadowed by Almighty God. That God, by golly, if I got to wait, I'm going to wait well. I remember hearing the story of Joel Osteen's father, John Osteen. John Osteen, he was actually leading a denominational church, having an incredible impact. Think about this. In the mid-50s, they were at 1,000. But the Lord began to speak to him when one of his daughters was born with some physical um, handicaps, disabilities. And he knew God was calling him to pray for her healing. And so he locked himself up in a hotel room. Come on, all your parents are like, that's not a bad idea. Anyhow, um, <laughs> I wasn't part of their conversation. He did that. 
And he just began to devour the scriptures. And the Holy Spirit was getting a hold of him. And faith was rising in him. And he began to pray for his daughter. Began to pray for his daughter. And kept praying and praying. Saw miraculous healing that would change the trajectory of his entire ministry. And so he started coming back to his church. And he started preaching words of victory. Words of faith. Words of hope. And you're probably like me thinking, well, I bet everybody loved it. Wrong. They hated it. They fired him. And so he started from scratch. A little, small church called Lakewood. In the backwoods of Houston. In a feed store with 90 people. And the thing didn't grow for 13 years. It didn't grow. Y'all probably have heard of John Osteen or perhaps his son, Joel Osteen. It didn't grow for 13 years. Well, it did. But it went from 90 to about right at 200. And in that 13-year mark, something snapped. Something snapped and it just began to soar. It's a little bit like Joseph's life. By some accounts, that journey from being sold into slavery, going all the way to being a prime minister was 17 years. And one wonders, well, where was God? Genesis lets us know the Lord was with him every step of the way. So if you've got some whys over your life, I want to encourage you. Why God? That's fine. Even say it sometime. It's just not fair. He's up for that. But I believe he also wants you to be up for hearing this reminder. You're overshadowed by Almighty God. You're overshadowed by Almighty God. He's going to be the one to write your story. And he invites us to participate with him by faith. Genesis 50, 20, one of the most profound encounters. Joseph stands before his brothers. We talk about finding your way to emotional health. God led him there. But he looks at his brothers, his betrayers, who sent him on a journey of disappointment, discouragement, defeat. He looks at them and says, you intended to harm me, but God. I'm going to quote Judas Smith, Pastor Judas Smith from 20 years ago. Everybody say, but God. Now say this with me, God's but is bigger than yours. <laughs> you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. It's a beautiful picture, and I want to tell you, it's a beautiful picture to encourage our souls that God would say that over your life. That God would look you in the eye and say, I know it may be hard. I know it may be painful. But as 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says, for these light and momentary, these temporary afflictions are crafting and creating within us an eternal weight of glory. God's working within us. Don't lose heart. Stay the course trust him. Amen? Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit quickening us, 
freeing us, healing us, bringing us to wholeness. Lord, I thank you for every heart and mind represented here, God. I pray, God, that they would remember that when the wind is against them, when the difficulty is overwhelming, that they would know that they are overshadowed by you. That, Lord, there is a miracle in the making even now. Jehovah Jireh will provide. Jehovah Rapha will heal. Jehovah Nisi will defeat your enemies and lead you to victory. We thank you, God, that you are the God of the breakthrough, God, and you are breaking in and breaking through in the midst of our lives. And Lord, I pray for your peace to overwhelm every heart and every mind by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' holy name, one last prayer. If you're here today, God's been knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to welcome you home into the family of God. I'm not looking at you to join Hillside, not looking at you uh, to become a member here, but I want to let you know you can leave here saved by Almighty God and start that journey with Him. Right now, if that's you, you know that He's calling you to step into a relationship with Him. Just say this, Lord Jesus, I receive you into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. I call you Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate God's goodness one last time together?